Welcome to another Coaching You podcast with the coach, Brendan Sir. And hey, we're two and a half weeks away from our unbelievable 10th anniversary, Coaching You Live in Vegas on the 9th and 10th. Amazing lineup, as you've seen. We're so excited. It's, uh, you know, it's it's a really special time. And uh, Kevin and I are really excited to celebrate it with everyone that's been with us for 10 years. We have some folks that have been there all 10 years. And I think it's really going to be a learning experience like you've never had. So, uh, again, looking forward to seeing you then. And for those that haven't registered, you know, go to coachingyoulive.com and, and click in there and get yourself signed up. Uh, uh, the thing about the thing about the head coaches that we have coming and some of the assistants that we have speaking at Coaching You, they're going to be coaching the guys that are going to be in the draft tomorrow. And so you're going to see a lot of the players that are in the draft tomorrow in Vegas while you're out there. So it's a tremendous opportunity. We're excited about it. So in putting this together, every year we kind of have what I think is the very best person to talk about the NBA draft, the voice of ESPN College Basketball, Jay Billis, who also does the draft tomorrow night. But the thing about Jay is that he's done this now 16 years since LeBron's draft. I mean, it's just absolutely amazing. And he's so well-versed in this. He does their games during the year and then studies it like crazy afterwards Uh, and does, of course, the draft combine that we have uh, in May in Chicago. So you're going to hear from, I think, is the best person to talk about college basketball. It is 45 minutes of unbelievable commentary that you will not hear tomorrow night on ESPN because it's he and I going at it for 45 minutes. I think you're really going to enjoy it. So uh, after this break, Jay Billis. Hey, let's take a second to tell you about one of our partners, Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish basketball shooting machines are the most high-tech and durable basketball shooting machines on the market today. Each shooting machine was designed specifically for high repetition training to allow players to improve through technology. Dr. Dish offers game-like training to give hundreds of shooting reps in just minutes and to provide powerful analytics to help players improve their game. Dr. Dish has also introduced Skill Builder, which is the first of its kind of basketball shooting industry that enables coaches and players to stay connected, design and upload training exercises that combine shooting, conditioning, and ball handling into one complete workout, and instantly receive feedback on their workout, allowing for real-time adjustments and improved performance. It is without question the most innovative basketball training machine on the market. It's been the official shooting machine of Coaching You for the last two years. To learn more about Dr. Dish, log on to drdishbasketball.com or follow them on Twitter at drdishbball. So excited today, uh, the day before the NBA draft, and I've got our, he's our college basketball analyst for ESPN, but he's also our draft guru. Uh, as always, every year we do our pre-draft with Jay Billis, and welcome, Jay. Brendan, great to be with you, as always. Thanks for having me. I'm going to give you the, you're our coaching you draft expert. <laughs> uh, but hey, uh, you're, you had a great season, I thought, for college basketball this year. There was a lot of great stories and things like that. And as you get to travel around the country, you know, you get to see every one of these kids, and most importantly, you get to learn about them. You have the insight that, you know, all these 
pro people wish they had, and you know the stories of them. Um, what were some of the what are some of the things going into this draft that maybe are different from others? Well, first, I think there are more quality big guys in this draft than I can remember at the top, anyway. And in an era where the game has changed, uh, and we've we've seen it go to a more perimeter oriented game. Uh, we're going to have more big guys that have low post capabilities that can also step away. And then, Brendan, you you see this every bit as much as I do, if not more. The quality of kid that's coming out now, is the, the high character level, it's amazing. You know, you, you used to, at least I remember, uh, having to, to talk about character at times. And now it doesn't seem like there, there are very many kids at all that even have questions with their characters. The, the, the players at the top... Um, and throughout the draft, it's amazing how many times I'm saying, boy, what a great kid. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, that's really heartening. Um, I think we've seen the, the professionalism, and I mean that not in a money sense, but in an approach sense. The, the professionalism of, of younger players now, they take better care of themselves. They're, uh, they're in the gym more often. They're more focused on, on uh, their, uh, uh, their professional development in every way, shape, and form than they used to be. And that, that's been a really uh, heartening thing for me to watch uh, all the all the great kids that are coming out that are going to be contributing to uh, to being a, a really good franchise in addition to, to being really good pieces to winning teams. That, that, that's I think the, the character level of these players seems like it's uh, it's higher than ever. You know, uh, you know, having come into the NBA uh, the same year Magic and Bird came in. Uh, and then up through the 80s, 90s and stuff and into 2000, having coached against LeBron and stuff. I mean, I, I, I've gone through, I think, I've co- touched coaching in five decades in parts of the league and stuff, So, or been in a leadership position in them. And now still with the MBPA, the union, for the last 10 years as a consultant uh, and seeing the top 100 camp, I see all these kids when they're sophomores, juniors and seniors. And I think you're 100% right. And these kids that go to these great colleges, they're getting coached by wonderful people that are really taking time to make sure, you know, obviously the player is, you know, the talent level is what attracts them. But then when you get with a Jay Wright, a Tom Izzo, you know, a Sean Miller, and, you know, a Shaka Smart, uh, you know, a Conzo Martin, a Lon Kruger, uh, you know, or John Calipari, you know, Coach K. My God, I mean, what could we ever do to get mentors to be this good for kids? So I think your point's so well taken. Yeah, I agree. And, and there, there, it seems like more than ever now, you've always, coaches have always talked about molding young men and all that stuff. But the, the programs, and first and foremost, you know, is, is a guy like Jay Wright that has an amazing culture at Villanova. And so the players are, are taught, and some of them come in with a, a good base already from not only their parents, but from the coaching they've had. Uh, they come in and they're, they're prepared to be uh, really good teammates and really good citizens and all that stuff. It, it's not saying players don't make mistakes and all that. They still do. All, every young person is subject to that. But, uh, but I think they're more in tune with what's going on around them. Uh, as opposed to, I think the, the players today get kind of a bad rap for, um, you know, being all about them and, and being with, uh, you know, personal development coaches and all this other stuff. And there are positives and negatives that go with everything. 
but uh, but I, I've seen better kids seemingly than uh, than ever before, and that's in a day when when we talk about me first cultures and all that stuff. Uh, I see a lot of we first kids out there, which uh, which is really a nice thing. Well, also, like if you had a a child, a son or daughter that was a gifted student, it would be me first academically with that kid in AP courses, tutors, et cetera, to make sure they could go to Harvard or Duke, to be honest. So what's the difference, right? As you always say, what's the difference between the normal student and the athlete, right? Exactly. And th- there's really no difference. Th- these players are just, they have a a genius quality as John Calipari puts it with their athletics. Um, but they're, they're developing as whole people and especially in the basketball context that there's so much more that goes into being a, a great player in the league now, or even a contributing player than just your talent level and what you're capable of doing on the floor. Um, you know, and th- these players for the most part are, are great workers and, uh, and, they're they're so much better earlier than uh, than I recall players being, and I always laugh when 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 guys <laughs> our age talk about well the players of yesteryear were so much better in this that they were more competitive they were more this they were more that and I I kind of say are you guys watching this do you see how good these guys are and uh, heck if uh, and I've said this probably to you before but you know when I get with all my old men man friends and we talk about how great we used to be and, and how great it was in our era. I kind of laugh saying, you know, if the if the stopwatch hadn't been invented, we would all be saying that uh, that Mark Spitz swam faster than Michael Phelps, and, and he just didn't. The guys are better now in every every way conceivable. I love the kids of nowadays. I love I love them as kids, and I love their athleticism is ridiculous. I I totally agree, and I don't live in that. You know, I I agree with you. My, my, my a lot of my guys that I coach, especially with the Pistons, they they say, well, we could whip Golden State's ass. Well, you might have. You might have literally whipped their ass, but I'm not sure you could have beat them. But you know, but uh, you know, they, uh, you know, it's it's a different era, and we got to keep celebrating as we move forward. And I love this. Last year, let's just go back. I mean, two years I can remember when I had Ben Simmons at LSU, and you and I talked before the draft. He he was a phenomenon that I had not seen since LeBron. And you know, and I think it, it was he was that amazing. And Brandon Ingram was it without a doubt, the second best player in the draft. But the gap between the two was dramatic. And no offense to Brandon, because he was a young baby just coming out. And Ben's body was the same it was in high school. It was ridiculous, you know. He was a man-child, right? So, but last year's draft, a, a big difference. Uh, and we and I hate to say it, it kind of got, people got it wrong. Uh, that the two best rookies in the league are Tatum, and Donovan Mitchell. How do you think, why does that happen? Part of it is just the the difficulty of trying to assess how good players are going to be. And and I think if we looked at, I think we tend to make excuses in basketball a little bit by saying, well, the players are so young, Mm -hmm. uh, so we don't have as long to look at them. And, And it's true. I mean, they are younger. And so we don't have as long to assess how good they are and how good they're going to be. And but football has five years to look at them, and they make the same mistakes, if not bigger mistakes. More than or more, players. right? I agree. Yeah, or more. Same thing with baseball. I just think it's part of of how we like to think we know, but we just don't know. And and whether uh, you know, who knows whether Markel Fultz is going to pay off in the long term? He very well may. 
Uh, and it may turn out that Jason Tatum or Donovan Mitchell are the best players from last year's draft. It's probably still too early on all this, mm-hmm. but, uh, but you know, in, in trying to project this, and I've learned this over the years the hard way, you know, it's funny, I, I think I've been doing the draft now for 16 years for ESPN. The LeBron year was my first year, so I, I think that's 15 or 16. Holy cow. But, yeah, so it's to 03. And it's funny, Brendan, I was, I was so much more confident in my opinion on a player when I first started than I am now. Um, and, and part of it is I think I've learned that, that even though I, I, I felt like I knew, I just didn't know. And, uh, and now, now I'm confident that I don't know. And uh, so you go with your best judgment and you're, you're, you know, I, I try to state it as plainly and as strongly as I can, but at the same time, uh, I, I always want to make sure that I'm saying, you know what, this is what I believe based on what I've seen and what I've researched. But the truth is, I don't know. And, uh, and, and I think I've always been really impressed with the humility of NBA personnel that have been around it. Like you have been around it forever that, you know, you see something, you, you, you have certain beliefs, but but I think we all acknowledge that hey, if we knew, um, uh, you know, we'd be in Vegas uh, sitting by the pool, you know, sipping a drink and, and betting on this stuff because none of us are confident enough to bet on it. I know that. Well, I think also, and and put your GM hat on, uh, you know, I think if you're a GM, you have to look at the team you have, and the people like when you're adding a player to Golden State's culture that's like a Villanova type of culture or the Spurs back in the old days. You know, it's a different ad than if you're adding to this year's Atlanta Hawks, you know, that is just kind of starting a culture or now to the Sixers, it didn't matter who the hell you added a few years ago, but now they're, they're trying to fill in some real gaps. So I think that has a lot to do with it, you know, and, and also your style of play, because the thing I've seen over the years Jay, is that as great as college basketball is, it really truly is a different sport style-wise than pro basketball. There's nothing wrong with that either. You know, uh, where pro college and pro football, I think style-wise, are a little closer together, rule-wise too. And I think that makes an adjustment. I thought Trey Young in November, December, was the greatest thing I'd ever seen. Absolutely the greatest thing I'd ever seen. I, I, and and then as the year went on, I, I saw some little gaps and stuff like that. I'm not sure what the heck's going to happen to the young man. <laughs> I don't know yet. That's, you know, so I'm glad I'm not drafting. But, you know, I don't know. But, hey, let's let's go through some of your ideas on some of these guys. If if you were, and I hate to say it, but you're, you're feeling on these bigs that we have, uh, what, what, do you, what do you like there? Well, I, I, if I were Phoenix, Aiton, DeAndre Aiton of Arizona would be, be my choice mm-hmm. um, because he's got everything. Uh, he's got the NBA frame right now. He's crazy athletic, and he can shoot the ball. Um, he, he's got a very nice shooting stroke to 18 feet. I think he can stretch that out. Uh, his feet are really good. Uh, he just vacuums up rebounds around the, around the goal. Uh, he's not the kind of shot blocker, although he changes a lot of shots. Uh, he leaves you wanting a little bit in the number of shots that he blocks, but he still blocked a couple of game. Um, but, but he, he's got a tremendous, uh, level of ability and I think he's going to continue to get better and better. So as far as big guys, I like, I like Aiden and, and Jaron Jackson Jr. The best Jaron Jackson Jr. Is barely 19 years old for Michigan state. 
and uh, a guy who blocks a ton of shots. I think per 40 minutes, he was five and a half a game. My God. Uh, and he can step away and, and knock shots down. He plays hard. He's got a little set shot that he shoots from three-point range. Yep. And he's just a, a, a puppy as far as his development's concerned. And so I think his, uh, his, his upward trajectory is really strong. Uh, and then, and then I would move to Marvin Bagley from there. Uh, and Bagley's an interesting case because he's so he's left-handed. He's so instinctive and, and Brendan, I've not, I can't remember. It's not like I have a list of this, but I can't remember a guy that whose second jump and, and maybe even third was as explosive uh, as, as Bagley's. And he's incredibly productive without necessarily having a game that you can peg into saying, well, he's got this move or that move that you have to take away. He's just, he's just incredibly productive, plays hard every play, runs the floor like crazy. The only thing he does not do is he is not a very good defender. And uh, so there, there's a gap there where he's going to have to – he's not as instinctive and, and, and as focused as a defender as he is in every other area of the game. So there's a little bit of a disconnect there. He doesn't block shots. He doesn't get deflections. He doesn't get steals, uh, at least in his first year in college. But it, it, he's so tantalizingly athletic and skilled and, and productive. Uh, and, and he can shoot it as well. He shot 40% from three. He didn't shoot a ton of them, but he shoots a good ball. The only thing he doesn't do, like Jaron Jackson makes about 80% of his free throws. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Bagley's about 63%. And that's a little bit of a... I don't know if you call that a red flag. I think he can improve. I mean, you see this all the time. I'll have Ben Simmons work with him over the summer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think you can make a a a, a bad shooter or, or a, a limited shooter into being a great one, but I think you can make him into a good one. And I think Bagley will be a good shooter and a guy that you have to come out and get uh, over time because that that's all he'll work on and he'll he'll get better and better at that. I just I just question sort of, uh, you know, what's he going to be as a defender? Because he didn't really show anything uh, defensively in college, and you know, that was a little bit of a concern. You know, I had a, I have a thing on that, and, uh, you know, in that, I, and I, I'm, I'm not blaming college, but I'm saying the five fouls in college and a technical being a personal foul, which is maybe the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life, uh, you know, that, you know, you go on, you go play a college game and you get two fouls, you're sitting next to the assistant coaches for the rest of the first half. And so as a college coach, I literally had to tell, you know, Ben Simmons, don't freaking guard. And this guy can really guard. Don't guard anyone. Don't get a foul, please, you know. And and that's a terrible thing to say to a kid. But, you know, I wish they would have six fouls in college so that we could let the kids play and get three in the first half, three in the second you know, it's like it's like throwing a guy out of a football game because he's offsides too many times or a holding penalty. Who cares? You know, the kids are supposed to play. I I know it's an extreme idea, but I I want to see kids play, and I'm going to defend Marvin for that only for that only because you know he's going to learn to play defense, and if he can't, he'll be exposed. But I hope it's that. I really do. You know, I hope so too. Yeah, I, it's just I'm not sure it is, but I hope it is. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's sort of the shot blocking thing that 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 has always seemed to be a red flag. I mean, I remember going all the way back to maybe even Lorenzo Wright at Memphis a million mm. years ago. That I remember Pete Newell telling me, you know, Pete Newell lived in my area, so he he came to some of my high school games. I I, I saw him all the time when I was in high school, 
And uh, and I remember when 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 that draft happened, uh, that was the one thing he brought up: the the idea that if a big guy doesn't block a lot of shots in college, you're not going to see him block a lot of shots as a pro. That's not something that that you just you know that that flips. Uh, That's a great it, point. It, it translates very 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 well to the NBA. That and rebounding. And that rebounding uh, does also. Yep. But but it's something that that you know I, I think for Bagley. I do think he'll get much better uh, at, at defense, and it'll become a priority for him. I, but I he's thought so he, good in every other area. I thought that, he uh, was an incredible offensive player. The first month of the season, I said, man, this guy is so good offensively. I just loved his game. I loved everything about him until he got hurt. Then I felt, you know, I, I don't think he was the same player the rest of the year. But, man, what a talent. I loved him, you know. Incredible talent, and and his teammate Wendell Carter Jr. is uh, is I think undervalued in this draft. Very he's one of those players. He's one of those guys that I think will be a workhorse big in the NBA. That he may not be as talented as an Aiton or Bagley or, or Jaron Jackson Jr., but he's uh, he every rebound he grabs is with two hands, and he played every minute with Bagley. So that that's about eleven or twelve rebounds that aren't available to him that that he would have gotten at least half of those. Oh, wow. uh, and he, he and still averaged over uh, over nine a game, uh, rebounding wise. And uh, and he shoots a good ball too. So uh, he's one of those guys that I think because of the other big guys in this particular draft, he he could have been a top five player that'll probably be six, seven, or eight as a result of of the the talent around him. But he he's really really impressive. And, so and then and we didn't even mention Muhammad Bamba from Texas, who Love uh, I'm not sure there's a better kid in this draft, but uh, I've never seen a guy that that has that kind of uh, reach and 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 wingspan. He's got a seven ten wingspan. I've never and, heard, uh, never heard of that. Ever. Never heard of it. And, no. and he he blocks everything. He he runs. He, he doesn't have the same kind of motor that uh, Bagley has, but uh, but very very productive. And Shaka Smart, I thought was very. Uh, very good in the way he brought him along because he put him in a lot of, in practice, there were a lot of pick and pop situations where he was told like pick and pop and shoot it to help him develop that uh, as a, as a, as a practice play in practice. And he still did it in games. He he doesn't roll as often as he probably should uh, given, given his size, but uh, but he's going to be a he's going to be a great player and just get better and better. Yeah, Drew Hanlon, uh, who worked out Tatum and Ingram and uh, Joel Embiid, he's working with him this uh, getting ready for the draft. And he told me the other day he's as good a player as he's ever had at this age. Uh, he, that's, he and that's cannot, saying something. Cause Drew's he had cannot. Everybody. And Drew is a fabulous. Uh, player development coach, I think, and really knows the game. And he is—he was stunned how good he was, and that—that that put my antenna up on on Mo. Uh, yeah, tremendous. You talked about Jaron Jackson before, um, and his dad, of course, and mom are incredible people. Uh, you know, and Izzo, he had great coaching. Uh, this guy's got a big ceiling, right? I think so. I mean, I, I think he's worthy of a number one overall pick. I don't think yeah. he'll 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 get that, but uh, because he's so young and he's so big and long and active, and another great kid. I mean, you mentioned his parents, and that's that's obviously where it comes from. But uh, but he'll work at it, and I I think I don't. He didn't play a ton of minutes at uh, at Michigan State. He probably only played twenty two minutes a game, and still was very very productive. Not necessarily on the rebounding side. He only averaged about six a game. 
but uh, but you you project that out over a forty minute game, and, and his numbers are much better. His, his shot blocking numbers are ridiculous, but his shooting touch it makes his free throws. He's got a pretty good low post game, uh, so I I think he's going to be a, a, a terrific player. It's just a question, Brendan, of of how good do you, do you think you know in today's game are these guys going to be a piece that helps you win a championship, or are they going to be the type of player that can uh, that can lead you there themselves and I'm not sure I see as much of the latter. You know, it's not, this is not a LeBron type draft or a Ben Simmons draft where you say, okay, well, there's one guy and that's it. And uh, that's head and shoulders above the rest that you say is the overall number one pick. There's some reasonable debate as to who you think the best player is going to be. There's a lot of great depth, right? Really good depth of big guys and really good depth, period. Um, And, you know, you mentioned Trey Young before and Colin Sexton of Alabama, probably the first two guards that will be taken. And uh, I'm a Trey Young. I'm a believer. I'm a I'm a Good. fan. Um, Good. I think if you you know we wound up projecting him a little bit like Steph Curry with his numbers and his passing and his ability to pass ahead, how he how he handles pick and roll situations. Uh, he's perhaps more of a, a point guard than Curry even was coming out. But we projected him. We, we were comparing him to a junior Steph Curry. You compare him to a freshman Steph Curry, <laughs> and not he's, even comparable. He's, He's way ahead. Yeah, and uh, and that's uh, that's, that's the way I tend to that's look really at it. Great point. You know that that this kid is the, is really really good. Now he's slight of build, and he's not a he's not a defender. That's not what he does. Uh, but can he get better at that? I think he can. Um, but in in today's game, where it's not a it's not a clutch and grab game like it used to be, uh, I think he'll have space. And and he's when when you like break down. How he shoots it when he takes good shots, uh, he's the real thing. Now, if you add in some of the crazy shots he felt like he had to take, given that, and I may be a little bit different in this. Like I looked at his team as he had he had really good teammates, but they were all his teammates were one dimensional players, and uh, like Brady Manick was a catch and shoot guy. Uh, Odom's could it was a driver. Uh, they, they, he had one dimensional teammates. And so he had more on his shoulders than I think even Curry had when he was at Davidson. Curry had a really good team. People forget he had Jason Richards at the point. Uh, there were guys that could really play. They were an Elite Eight team his junior year. But, you know, nobody said anything about Steph Curry when he came out saying, hey, he didn't get his team to the tournament his, his junior year. Like, Davidson did not play in the NCAA tournament his last year. I didn't know and that. There was no, How about yeah, that? There, was no, there was no knock on him like there was on, on Simmons. Simmons or or Markel Fultz when they came out. Um, and I realized he did it the year before and did it in a big fashion. Well, Bobby, but, uh, Bobby's such a good coach. You can't knock uh, him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know. um, but, but I think Trey Young's going to be very good. And Colin Sexton really intrigues me. He's not a shooter. But man, is he a competitor and speed, uh, full court ability. He's just sort of a smaller point. He's only 6'2", 6'3", maybe, but he's got long arms and he can really get to the rim. Uh, not a great finisher, uh, and that's something he's got to improve upon is the ability to finish uh, oversize and maybe you know a floater or something in between. But uh, but speed and full court ability and and uh, and I. Heck, if it's a three-on-five game, remember that game he had earlier this year where where everybody fouled out. He, he Min- up, Minnesota, he, he almost, yeah, yeah, he almost took a team. He almost he almost won a game three-on-five at forty-some. Uh, yeah. he, he's very very good, and and I think could be really good in the NBA. 
Uh, you know, I had Jamal Crawford for five years in New York, and he reminds me a little that Jamal couldn't guard me or you right now, and he, he just, but man, could he score that ball. And, you know, he, but, and I think, I think Colin Sexton is an NBA scorer. I think he's a really intriguing player. I think someone's going to be a hell of a pro. Fast Model Sports is the world's most versatile basketball coaching software to help power your preparation. Fast Model has developed the industry's best coaching software, including the number one play diagramming and playbook software, FastDraw. FastDraw bridges the gap between whiteboarding and the digital world with an incredibly easy-to-use interface that can be used on both your computer and your iPad, providing maximum portability for your own personal play and drill database. It doesn't stop there. Along with FastDraw, they have other great programs such as FastScout, which I have used, which helps coaches create clean professional sky reports customized for your team. Fast Model is trusted and used by every NBA team and WNBA team and 85% of Division I college teams and over 8,000 high school and youth teams from over 75 countries around the world. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching resources through their blog and play bank, which features over 5,000 free plays and drills for their online coaching community. For access... To these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. Uh, and how I love Cal's kid, you know, as a point guard, Shea Gillius. I, I, I just think that I think he's uh, I think he's a guy that people, you know, they, they know he's good and everything, and he's but he's he's so deceiving because of his six six size and. You know, in today's game, I'm not trying to compare him to Sean Livingston, but an intriguing player. Your thoughts on him? You, see, uh, you have Kentucky a lot. What, what do you think of him? He got well, better, I, I thought, too, as the year went on. I think he really did. I think Shea Gillis-Alexander is one of those players that, that I think he projects best as a, as a defender uh, because he's mm-hmm. long and he's very, very active. So he, he gets a lot of deflections, a lot of steals. Uh, you know, seemingly always down in the stance, so he can guard multiple spots. And you, you wouldn't be concerned about him switching off and having to stay on somebody bigger because I think he can handle that. Uh, and he's much better offensively than he gets credit for and handles the ball well. Uh, so I, I think he's another guy that's going to continue to get better. And we've only seen him sort of scratch the surface of how good he can be. And then his teammate, Kevin Knox, is a guy that uh, that I've sort of struggled with because – you know, I saw him against West Virginia when he had close to 40, and he was a superstar in that game. And then you saw him in other games where you thought, well, why isn't he taking over? And then you have to remind yourself, he's 18. <laughs> he's just a kid. Uh, he's going to learn how to how to do all this stuff. But he's another guy that I think can be uh, he will probably be a lottery pick. I, I can see him in the top 12 or 13. And with his size and athleticism and his skill level, uh, with some refinement in his game, uh, he's got a lot of ability. And uh, uh, and then there are other guys, Brendan. That that there are a bunch of guys that uh, that are probably would be seen as really high picks this year or in any other year that are probably being undervalued. One of them is is the kid from Duke, Grayson Allen, who uh, it, it can really shoot it, and he's a very good passer. So he's not one of these one dimensional shooters. Uh, he can he can actually really pass and and he's out he's super athletic and very strong uh, 
you know, he had some, I think a lot of people may sort of dismiss some things that he can do simply because he got into that weird thing with all that tripping stuff and it leaves kind of a bad taste in your mouth. But, you know, you, you think back to guys like, uh, and he's not the same player, I'm not suggesting this, but, you know, Chris Paul had a, had a problem where he, he punched a guy in the groin in college and, um, you know, and, and does some of this stuff that you're going, why are you doing that? But he's competitive as all get out. And, and I, I, I think that's part of the issue with, with Allen. I think Allen's going to be a really good player in the NBA. And somebody's going to get a really good player at like 20 or 18 or, or something like that. That that could be a lottery type player in another draft. You know, did you? I know you. Have you ever seen Luka Doncic? The, the, uh, you know the the kid from Real Madrid at all? This I've seen him only on tape. I Me haven't too. seen him in person, yeah. and and I like him a lot. Um, the only the only issue you have with Doncic is the idea he's six eight and uh, and plays point. He may be the most accomplished European player to to at his age ever. Uh, he's been a, a MVP of the EuroLeague, MVP of the EuroLeague Final Four. He's won the Rising Star Award twice. Um, I don't think there's been anybody this accomplished that's come into the draft that, that you've seen as much five-on-five five from. Uh, and it's unfair to compare and start bringing up just foreign guys. But, you know, back in the day when, you know, Darko Milicic came over or yeah. uh, Nicholas Skidishvili. They, they didn't have, they, they weren't scouted the same way. They're going off workouts and maybe a little bit of fun. This guy has a body of work. And so uh, uh, Mike Schmitz, who's a, a fantastic scout, uh, said something the other day that I thought was really, really good. He, he said that, that Doncic has the highest floor of anyone in this draft. So I took that to mean. Uh, I heard that comment. I thought it was great. It's just the idea. He's not going to fail. You you know he's going to be really, really good. Now, the question is how good. Is he superstar good? Because he's not a spectacular athlete, which, you know, in today's game, it seems like every time you turn around, you're running into world-class athletes that are laterally quick, and that's not him. Uh, so he may struggle a little bit defensively. He may struggle a little bit getting by some of the, uh, the better athletes in the, in the NBA, but... He's strong. He's still really young, and he's got a, a next level uh, ability to see the game and to pass and to read uh, read situations. Uh, so I, I think he's going to be very very good. It's just a question of you know with a guy like Aiton in the draft or Bagley, do you take him over them because of his uh, his perimeter ability and handling ability in today's game? Because he can shoot it, he can do everything. Uh, he just doesn't do it at the at the same athletic level that some other players in a, in a similar sort of similar draft position would, would, uh, would bring to the table. He, well, he's ready to play, obviously. I know I had Petrovic in New Jersey, you know, what really was the first time he really got to play, you know, and we saw, uh, of course, Kukoc come over and these guys, when they play in the advanced leagues over there and they perform, uh, the you know when we played uh, their dream team played against Petro he was the only guy that wasn't scared you know and he, he had twenty seven points against the dream team and stuff that's how he's a man and but he wasn't athletic he wasn't gifted but he had such confidence he knew his craft and I think this kid's similar in that respect and the same with Kukoc Kukoc wasn't a super athlete he was a super intellectual player I thought. And I think th these guys, I think I, that's who I compare them to, those kind of guys. I agree. And, and the one thing about Doncic that I think probably hasn't been talked about enough is, 
you know, it, Europe's a little bit of a different culture than the United States as far as, as how the players take care of their bodies. Like NBA players now, as opposed to maybe 20 years ago, 15 years ago, they are, they, they, they eat better. Uh, they, they are, the, the culture now is to take care of yourself at the highest level. Mm-hmm. And he's not had to do that yet. And I think when he gets into the NBA, he's going to take care of his body in a, in a far better fashion. And you'll see him tighten that body up. He'll be, he'll improve his athleticism just by the way he takes care of himself. And sure. that's not a, it's not to denigrate, you know, the European system, but they, they just, I don't see the same attention to, to that kind of detail that you see in the NBA and even in college now that, that the players now are so much more in tune with taking care of themselves. And I remember Grant Hill telling uh, telling college players years ago that if you had a performance automobile, uh, you wouldn't put regular gas in it. And uh, and so why are you why are you putting regular gas into your body when you should be taking care of the the only asset you really have, which is your body? And now with the money these guys are making, <laughs> you know, squeezing squeezing more out of their careers, they're more in tune with that. And I think Doncic will be in that culture soon, and and you'll see a, a real jump in that as well. Did you? Uh, I, I think two guys. I know we're skipping over Porter and Mikael Bridges for a second, uh, guys that are possibly going to go higher, but. Two guys that I love. I, I love Miles Bridges, always have from Michigan State. I, I think he's a guy that could slip in the draft but become a star. And Robert Williams, the kid who last year would have been probably a lottery pick of sorts, and he could be again. But uh, the college game wasn't kind to him. But this kid's got pro game stuff. Your thoughts on those two? Well, Robert Williams first from Texas A&M is, is another prototype. He, he, and, and he reminds me a little bit, and even though they're different players, of another Texas A&M guy in DeAndre Jordan, that when Jordan mm-hmm. came out, I was one of those that was fooled into thinking that, well, you know, he's not very skilled, he doesn't have an offensive game and all that stuff, and not valuing the fact that he could run, rebound, block shots, and control the lane. And uh, and would be a, an impact player just on that alone, and and then his offense will develop and his pick and roll and all that stuff. Uh, I, I put Williams in the same category that he, he's he's such a big time athlete and impacts the game. He's a terrific rebounder, a really good shot blocker. He can really run and can really finish plays. Uh, his skill level is nowhere near uh, uh, what what you would hope for a guy that athletic, but, but he, he's going to come a long way in that. And I think when he gets to the NBA, hopefully, I think one of his issues in college was, uh, he was not as focused on doing the right thing off the court all the time, nothing bad, but just sort of unfocused in that regard. And I think now that, uh, that it's all or nothing in his pro career, uh, you'll see him be much better in that regard. Um, and then, and then miles bridges, uh, left-handed, um, very athletic, just a ridiculous uh, athlete, can really run the floor and fill a lane and finish at the rim and is a good shooter. Um, you know, the only thing, Brendan, that, that I always, that, that left me wanting with Miles was I always thought he should have shot a ton of free throws. Now, part of that was the way Michigan State plays. They're more of a jump shooting team. Yeah. Uh, and, and a lot of their plays are run to get an open jump shot. Uh, but, uh, I would have liked to have seen him shoot more free throws. I think he will in the NBA because he's, a, he's, he really does have an attack mentality. 
uh, and another great kid, just a great kid that will do absolutely anything he has asked. I, I think and, spending uh, and that's, that a, extra, that's a skill too. I think spending that extra year with Tom, though a lot of people didn't agree with it, I think that's a difference maker. You get another year with Tom Izzo. I mean, like you know, that's going. He just got his master's degree, you know, for these some of these kids coming out. I mean, to get another year of coaching like that, because in pros you're not going to get as many practices and things like that, and that you're going to get individual coaching all year long. But that to do that team coaching and to and and the guidance from Tom, I think it's just phenomenal. So I think that, I have I just have a feeling on this kid that he's going to be special. That someone's going to end up taking them at 11, 12, 13, and all of a sudden they're going to go, yeah, he's one of the top five rookies in you know, scoring. You know? it just, I agree. I, I just have a, a feeling. I don't know why. And your, your point about coming back, and, and look, I, I think we're probably the same mind that, that I don't hold it against a player if they come out what, mm-hmm. what we might consider too early. But one of the things that I think gets overlooked w- with a player coming back is that it is sort of the ego of a great player. And – Oftentimes, when a player comes into the NBA, you're going to be more of a role player uh, uh, when you come into the league, unless you're truly, truly special. And and having a player stay in college for an additional year where they can kind of be the man and have a lot of responsibility on their shoulders, I think really, really helps develop the ego of a good player. And uh, and I think I think that helped with Miles this last year, where he had to play a different position. He had to play the three, where he was a four his first year. So he was thrust into a different role and had to adjust to it. And I thought did a, a darn good job, uh, you know, having to play with Nick Ward and, uh, and Jaron Jackson Jr. That, that really, you know, and then he had to chase guys around as a three-man uh, defensively. And that is a lot harder than having to stand next to a, a four-man down low where, you know, heck, I did that for four years. It's a hell of a lot easier than chasing guys <laughs> around screens. Uh, I'm, glad, I'm glad they anchored me down there where I didn't have to do any of that. Let's hey, let's talk about the national champions, the, the the three Villanova guys. I mean, you know who you know they win your hearts over when you watch them play. But how are they going to translate to the pros? In your opinion, that's a good that's a good question. I, I'll tell you this: that, that at the Wooden Award, one of the one of my favorite parts of the Wooden Award every year is mm-hmm. getting to getting to see Jerry West, oh, yes. and uh, who is one of the not only the one of the greatest players to ever play. But I think one of the one of the best judges of talent, not necessarily because he has a magic eye, but because he he spends so much time uh, studying. And uh, and every year he, he'll ask me a question that 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 puts me on the spot. And this year he asked me, who's the best pro prospect on the Villanova roster? <laughs> and, and I said, I thought it was uh, I thought it was Mikhail Bridges. And and, you know, you know, how Jerry is he's not going to he's not going to, you know, totally uh shoot you down but he says you know what i think it's the italian kid and he, wow. he talked about dante DiVincenzo and, and how he can get his own shot how strong and athletic he is how he could shoot it and, and boys is is he right i mean when when i went to the combine and watched DiVincenzo, it's kind of like people would say about a baseball player or something that that you know it comes off his bat differently makes a different sound he stood out there yeah and after he had a great day the first day i know there were people telling him Hey, you need to shut it down. You've proven what you need to prove, and and he was like, "Heck with that, I'm playing," and uh, and went out and had an even better day the second day. Um, I think he's a uh, he's going to be an outstanding pro. He, he's not that big, but man, is he strong and is he athletic and he can really shoot the ball. 
And uh, I think his best basketball, as, as well as he played last year as six man for, for the national championship Villanova team and the, the title game he had with 31 against Michigan. Sure. Uh, his best basketball is in front of him, and uh, so I, th- I I I happen oh. to now agree with with Jerry that that he's the best pro prospect on that on that roster. Uh, <laughs> he's not going to get taken as high as Bridges simply because Bridges is is bigger. He can guard more people, and uh, and he's another guy that can really shoot it. He's just not the type that's going to be getting his own shot in the NBA. He's yeah, I was just going to say he's guy. more to me. He's a rigid offensive player uh, as far as one on one. You know what I yes. mean? He's a straight line driver type and a, and a catch and shoot guy. Nothing wrong with, but uh, as far as breaking you down, uh, the kid Omari Spellman just came out of nowhere for me, for me to be a pro, I mean. Yeah, I watched him in high school a lot. I know you did too. And, and he, he had that unfortunate circumstance with being held out as what would have been his freshman year. So he had to take a red shirt. Uh, because he, he actually went to school too much in high school. So wasn't <laughs> my problem. Odd, no. <laughs> yeah, one of those odd things. But but he, uh, I think the redshirt year really helped him. He worked on his body, um, a, a skilled player that can shoot, a uh, good passer for his size. And uh, and I, I think he probably, honestly, is coming out a little bit too early that, that he's a first-round draft pick that is probably going to go in the second round Although who knows what'll happen? I mean, sure. maybe somebody will take him in the first round, and, and because he's got that kind of ability, and he's another guy who's going to get better and better. Uh, you just don't know yet. And, and he's what similar to what we were talking about with Miles Bridges. I think having another year in college where he would have been, he would have been the focal point at Villanova this year. I think would have uh, would have helped him. But uh, but it's not that he's making a mistake. It's just a, a question of what would have been better um, long term. I mean, it's probably better financially for him to come out now. Sure. But uh, but he's gonna. I think he's got a, a ton of ability, and it's gonna continue to get better. Wow. Now our consensus player of the year and everyone's favorite, Jalen Brunson, and I had guys, guy, really knowledgeable pro guys, uh, were telling me, yeah, he's not a. He's he'll play in the league twelve years, but he's a second round pick. And Jay, I'll tell you what, I'm damn confused by that. If a guy's a second round pick, he's gonna play twelve years. You know what the hell's he doing being a second round pick for? But uh, but you know, where do you see uh, Jalen as a pro? I mean, you know, in your you know, how does he fit? The maybe the most mature leader in the draft. Um, I've not come across uh, players like him very often as far as their maturity, uh, their team first uh, approach. Uh, He's been a pro for a while now, as far as his approach to things. Mm -hmm. The only thing holding Brunson back, I think in, in everybody's mind is sort of the idea. Is he athletic enough uh, to be an impact player in the league? Like I I happen to agree. I think he's going to have a 10, 10 year plus career in the league if he stays healthy because he knows how to play and uh, uh but but he's not a super athlete he's just a he's just a guy that that he's got an old school nba game yeah like he can take he can go down in the post and operate uh he's got uh great moves as far as uh pace uh keep you off balance with a shot fake he's not going to blow by you he's going to get by you with craftiness and skill and uh, and one of those guys makes the right play. He makes shots. Not a great shooter, but he makes shots. And uh, and his ability to operate with his back to the basket is really intriguing. Yeah. Uh, uh, I I like him a lot. Uh, but but you know that when you take him and put him on your team, he's going to make your culture better right away. Uh, first in the gym, last to leave. 
and he will bring guys with him there. He will not go by himself. And that's uh, and that's that's going to be a, a a nice nice addition for any team to have him because he's a you know you say this about a lot of guys, but you know he's a winner in that uh, that a lot of guys are on winning teams and they're brand winners. He he makes a team a winning team. And that's that's the difference in saying that he's a winner. That that wherever he goes, that team's going to win, uh, because because he contributes to winning in, in such a big way. That's that part like character that we always talk about. You know, I, I, we all get seduced, uh, I believe, in college and NBA by talent, and then we make the mistake of we don't evaluate the talent, uh, the the added value from that that it can bring to a team. You know, the, the we first as opposed to me first player. Um, any other guys that jump out at you that you think like this guy could be special down the road? He might not be picked, you know, high, but I really like him. Yeah, there there are a couple. Uh, one is Jerome Robinson from Boston College, who mm. is, again not a spectacular athlete, but another guy that knows how to play that is very very skilled in every facet. He can handle it. He can pass it. He can really score. And uh, I think he's one of those late first round picks that could wind up being really good because he'll go to a good team and, uh, and he'll contribute right away. And then there are a couple guys that are sort of in the mold of, of uh, these long arm defender types that, yeah. that, that maybe like an Iguodala, uh, Andre Iguodala, that, that maybe they're not as good, but, uh, uh, but they're intriguing. One is, uh, is DeAnthony Melton from USC that didn't play this last year because all this FBI stuff. Uh, but but long arm, very athletic, not really great offensively. Uh, Melvin Frazier from Tulane, another guy who played very well at the combine, and you were you were drooling over his his athleticism, his length, his ability to affect the game with with defense. He could switch off on anybody. He can rebound, uh, and his offense is not bad at all. Uh, and then a guy that I really like um, that the only thing maybe. That, that is brought up with him is his size. They'll say, well, he's not as big as you think, uh, but he's long armed and really good is this kid, Kyrie Thomas from Creighton and uh, great kid, uh, very good offensively because he can really pass and he can make an open shot. And then a guy that can really guard. It's just, he's not a point guard. And so at, at six, three, you're kind of going wait, with six, three, two guard. And, uh, but, but he can affect the game in so many ways. Um, I, I still think he's a first-round draft pick. Wow. I probably have him rated too high, given some of the concerns I just raised about him. But uh, uh, you know, the the league is so different uh, from anything anything I see on a daily basis because these guys, you know, you, you can't you can't overstate how long and athletic these guys are. Um, but but Thomas, I think, has a chance to be a, a, a very good contributing NBA player. And when you can get somebody like that at the end of the first round. Uh, uh, he can really help a good team and, and, and do so for a long period of time. Uh, a couple of quick kids. How about uh, the kid Mo Wagner from uh, Michigan, uh, who's intriguing, I think. Do you like him at all in the pros? I do. I like him very much. He gets better and better. He's, you know, he's really gotten better under John Beeline and uh, can step away and make a shot. He's very yeah. skilled. Seems like uh, a great kid too, boy. Great yeah. kid. And he's got, he's got a great frame. And he's got a really nice humility about him. Yeah. Uh, he just goes about his business, and he's willing to contribute. So he's not a yeah. he's not as you said we we first. He's not a me first guy. He's willing to do what it takes to get on the floor and to help his team win. So if that's scoring twenty points in a game in, in college, he'll do it. 
if it's being uh, being a secondary uh, player, he'll do it. Uh, a role player, he'll do it. Uh, and he's willing to work. And that's one of the things about these guys that, that so many of these players that there are very few of them you're questioning their work ethic. Uh, that that seems to be the lead lead factor with a number of these guys as they are willing to work. And uh, and in that league, you'd better be willing to work, or you're going to be in the unemployment line. <laughs> Jay, tomorrow night's the draft. I can't wait to watch you work again and uh, to see now who's who's on who's on deck with you uh, for ESPN tomorrow. It's an unbelievable team, uh, and I am definitely a role player in this group. Reese Davis is our point guard, who, and there's nobody better in the business. And then oh, uh, awesome. I'll be alongside Chauncey Billups, who oh. you know. I, you know, you've known him forever, and Chauncey is as in tune. You know, there are a bunch of guys that uh, that that their job is the NBA and probably don't watch a lot of college because they're so engrossed in the NBA. Uh, Chauncey knows all these guys, and he knows them backwards and forwards. And his insight is—I mean, I take notes when he talks. Really, and then uh, and then we've got Adrian Wojnarowski, who, uh, if best. anybody knows more about what's going on in the NBA, I'd like to meet him or her. That guy. <laughs> That guy has it all down, and uh, and then Mike Schmitz, uh, really who's good. as good a Very scout as I've been around, and Jonathan Gavoni. We've got an unbelievable team, and I'm, I'm proud to be a be among these guys. They're they're amazing. Oh, that's fabulous! I can't wait to watch. ESPN does the best job in covering and everything, and you, my friend, are a superstar, and I appreciate you doing this, and I know our 70-plus thousand coaches who are waiting for tomorrow night, they love this too. So thanks for taking us inside on your journey. Oh, always my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Coach. Great to be with you. Thanks, Jay. As they say, I can never get enough Jay Billis. Uh, he is something that uh, – he, he is amazing. If you, I think I know a lot about college basketball, and then I talk to Jay, and the insight he provides, I think, you know, it's just second to none. So thanks, Jay, for that. And I know our, 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 all of our coaches that listen, they love that. Uh, again, uh, also excited that uh, last week we got out on our first Coaching You on Campus, spent our time at a co- with a couple of programs. And, you know, you, when you plan things, you never know how they're going to exactly be. But this is uh, one of the best things that uh, I've ever done in coaching. And it's just an experience where we really get to help coaches. And so, uh, you know, not to confuse, for, for these are mainly uh major college programs, men and women, uh, you know, that, you know, that would like to us, you know, me to come to see you, give you ideas, make you think, spend a day with you and help you, the head coach, your assistants. And if your players are on campus, them also. So if you want to get in touch, hit me directly, Brendan, sir, B-R-E-N-D-A-N-S-U-H-R at gmail.com. And I'll get right back to you till next week. This is the coach, Brendan Serve.